wild. This is my butt poking. <laughs> Eli, are you are you wearing your short shorts? Yeah, that's me. <laughs> are, are, are you celebrating anything in particular with your short shorts? Um, no, I'm just trying to look sexy in these in these tight pants with the you know fabulous red and the gold. <laughs> Are the shorts short still available to be purchased? <laughs> Sorry, I got a small dog. Uh, Elon, I think you are, um, you might have broken, uh, I'm not sure about the internet, but definitely Clubhouse. This room is easily the biggest room uh, the app has had, and you're just putting all sorts of pressure on it. This is amazing. This is a true historic moment. All right. I mean, is it working? <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. The Good Times room has almost right. 6,000 people in it right now. Uh, 5,000. All right. Let me just give it a minute because we promised we'd start at 10 p.m. And I think a few more people are going to try and trickle in. And then we're going to be get, we'll get going for what should be probably a historic uh, first ever time for you. And stuff. It's going to be amazing. Just give 30 seconds and we get going. <laughs> okay. Uh, by the way, um, can you let uh, in Vlad from Robinhood? Whoa. Oh, wow. Well, that was hilarious. I don't know who's getting in that room. Uh, yeah. I was going to say, uh, you know, uh, I've been, uh, I, my phone just blew up with when we started the room with people trying to get in. So we're going to try and get uh, Anthony to be on top of it. Uh, okay, why don't we, why don't we get yeah. started? Uh, uh, okay. Uh, first of all, everyone, uh, thank you for joining us for what is really a historic uh, episode. Um, I will come to our very, very uh, special guest in a second. Uh, but just to quickly introduce uh, the rest of the room, uh, we have Gary Dan, uh, you know, of Initialized Capital. Uh, we have my significantly better other half, Marty Ramurthy, uh, who Elon, you have met uh, when you took us on a tour of SpaceX. Uh, we have Steven Sinovsky. Um, uh, of ex-Microsoft fame, and we have the one and only uh, Mark Andreessen. Uh, but to introduce our uh, special guest, and this person truly needs some introduction, um, the founder of Tesla, SpaceX, the boring company, Neuralink, PayPal, and a bunch more. Uh, Elon Musk, welcome to Clubhouse. Uh, thank you. Uh, thank you. Uh, thank you. Okay. Marty, I think you're first. Awesome. Yeah, yeah. So, Iran, again, welcome. This is really fun. Uh, you know, we've been waiting all day. This is the longest wait to 10 p.m. because we just couldn't wait to get this going. Um, I hope this is as much fun by the end of it for you as it is for us. First question for me was, is um, when are we going to get to Mars? Well, I think we'll get to... Uh, you know, when will we get the first people to Mars? I think... We have a decent shot of doing that in about, uh, I say like, well, I, I call it five years, something like that. So Mars, yeah. uh, Mars Earth and Mars sync up every 26 months. That's where we're in the kind of the, it's roughly the same quadrant of the solar system and where we can do a planetary transfer. And uh, so we had one about six months ago, so about a year and a half, there'll be another one. So I figure, you know, I don't know. Uh, five and a half years. Five and a half years. So what does it take from here to that point? Like, what are the milestones you think for us to, like, get to, you know, five years out, we are, we are landing on Mars? Well, we're going to make a Starship fly um, 
it gets good over and back repeatedly. Uh-huh. I mean, the potential elements are you need a, a fully reused like, well, um, you need a fully and rapidly reusable rocket, orbital rocket. This is the, the holy grail of rocketry. Uh, so no one has ever succeeded in creating a fully reusable rocket. And it can't just be fully reusable, it needs to be rapidly reusable because it doesn't take like several months of refurbishment between uh, flights. Um, it needs to be much like aircraft where the cost of uh, an air flight is um, the, the reusable component of that is fuel. Um, and um, you can't just be throwing rockets away every time. Uh, and they need to have uh, orbital refilling, so where you can uh, send the ship up to orbit, uh, then send uh, another ship up dock with a transfer propellant, so that you can load up um, to being almost full with propellant and then go to Mars. Um, and uh, if, if, you, if, if you've got a large, fully rapidly reusable rocket with orbital refilling that uses uh, um, high efficiency, low cost propellants. Uh, then you can go to Mars, and then, and then one other, one last thing is on Mars, to you, you need a local uh, propellant production. Um, so you take CO two out of the atmosphere, uh, combine it with the water ice H two O to create CH four methane and oxygen. And uh, if you have those elements, uh, life can become multiplanetary, and we can have a self sustaining city on Mars, which I think is one of the most important things we could possibly do for. Uh, ensuring the long-term existence of consciousness. Yeah, I think, yeah, that, that makes sense. Sorry, Sharon, go for it. Yeah, uh, Nina, you've spoken about this often, which is, you know, expanding the scope of consciousness and how it is tied to multi life. Could you explain what that means for you and why that matters to you? Uh, sure. Well, so the... Originally, I, I had sort of kind of an existential crisis when I was a kid, trying to figure out what's the meaning of life, why are we here, what's the point of it all, is it all meaningless? Uh, I got quite depressed actually and sad about it, and and, uh, and then the thing that kind of broke me out of it was reading Douglas Adams's uh, Hitchhiker's Guide to the, the Galaxy, yeah. um, where he, he essentially pointed out that the universe is the answer. And really, the hard part is figuring out what questions to ask about the answer that is the universe. Um, so, yeah, exactly. He was exactly trying to make fun of the fact that the, the answer is the easy, easy part, but the questions are part of the hard part. So, in order for us to gain a, um, a better understanding of what questions to ask or to understand what it's all about, we have to increase the scope and scale of consciousness so that we're, we're better able to figure out which, which questions to ask and, and answer them. So, the longer, at the same time, how the, the broader, uh, and not the scale, 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 the in our galaxy and others, that there are a whole bunch of dead one planet civilizations that prospered prospered for a while. They might have prospered for millions of years. Mm-hmm. And then gradually the civilization collapsed for reasons external or internal. And and that was that. Um, all civilizations go through um, go through an arc where they they, they build they grow up in uh, technology complexity, but then they 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 
weren't cheap growing up. They, over time, they, they declined their fall. This has happened, obviously, with true student history with many civilizations in the past. You can look at uh, ancient Egypt. You know, 5,000 years ago, there was the Great Pyramid of Giza. But then the, the, the people living there forgot how to build pyramids after a while, and then they forgot how to read hieroglyphics. Uh, there's obviously, you know, Gibbon's famous book about the decline and fall of the Roman Empire and how they, they had advanced uh, technology in terms of roads, aqueducts, um, climbing and so forth, and, and, and then they basically forgot about it. Uh, the, the ancient Sumerians, Babylonians, all, all, all these things have they've all gone through a similar arc, um, which suggests that most likely we will go through an arc such an arc as ourselves, and we'll be probably less resilient to, to recovery because of globalization. Um, so I think, you know, for the first time in the four and a half billion year history of Earth, it's been possible to extend life beyond Earth um, and make life multi-planetary. And this window of opportunity may be open for a long time. I hope it is. Or it may be open for a short time. Um, and I think it would be wise for us to assume that it's open for a short time. Um, I'm an optimist, not a pessimist, but I, you, know, you have to say that there's some chance it's only open for a short time. And we should take advantage of this, this brief window of opening where... Uh, we can trans- transfer life, transport life to, to make life multi-planetary. And, and humanity is essentially the agent of life in this process. And I think we almost have an obligation to uh, ensure that uh, the creatures of Earth continue, uh, even if there is a calamity on Earth, which, as I said, could be man-made or it could be uh, so a natural calamity. Yes. If you look at the fossil record, there's, there are many, many mass extinctions. Yeah, I think, yeah, I think, uh, you know, all of that makes sense. And I think we've heard, you've talked about this before. I think one other question I have is, you know, when we get there, you know, we have to set up the whole society. We have to set up civilization there. Um, yeah. how, how will the whole thing work in your mind? Like, you know, everything from what does it mean to have internet connection in Mars, um, all the way to like governments and rules and laws and everything. Yeah, it, all those things need to happen. Yeah. Just as they happen in, you know, in the U.S. and happen in every, in every country, and um, I, I would not presume to prescribe what should happen there. I think the important part is just that we get people there, and we get the equipment necessary to establish a self-sustaining civilization, um, at least one self-sustaining city. And I think the, the, the key threshold um, of when we would pass the Great Filter, of this, this particular Great Filter, is. Um, is Mars sufficiently self-sustaining such that if the ships stop coming from Earth for any reason, it could be you know, something massive or, or not something banal. I mean, civilization on Earth could end with a bang or a whimper. And but be the way, if the ships stop coming from Mars, does Mars die out or, or not? Um, and, and Mars only has to be missing one little ingredient, like the equivalent of vitamin C, and it will survive for a while, but it will not, but it will eventually die out. So. It's kind of getting getting us through on Mars to pass that that critical uh, threshold where it is self-sustaining. Um, and are we able to do that before some calamity or or a gradual decline in civilization occurs that prevents the, the, the ships from going there? That, that's the that's that's the key threshold. I mean, in a more pithy way, it's like does, does the city on Mars become self-sustaining? Which comes first, a self-sustaining city on Mars or World War Three? Yeah. If if you if you kind of let yourself dream out over the next few decades, like 
what would you what would you consider success? Like, let's say they get through the first you know five years, even the first ten years. Like, what do you think is possible to build on Mars ten years in, twenty years in, thirty years in after first arrival? Well, I think I think Mars will go. Let's start off being very, very tiny, just like a tiny little outpost. And by the way, it's going to be very dangerous. Um, sometimes people think, oh, is this like some escape uh, hatch for rich people? I'm like, uh, no, it will be dangerous, uh, hard work. Um, it, it's going to be, you're out there on the frontier. Uh, there are way, far more ways to die there than there are on Earth. Um, and, and it depends on hard work. Um, but it will be, uh, I think, fun and, advent- and, and, a, and a great adventure. Um, but it will not be a luxurious thing. That is for sure. Not for quite some time to go. Um, but but we, you know, we're going to build the propellant plants. We've got to build, uh, you know, get the solar power going, get the, um, you know, the, the food production going, uh, start creating the necessities. Um, I, you know, iron, we need the iron ore refinery. We need you know, all of the, the, the sort of, fundamentals of industry in order to make sure that Mars is a self-sustaining planet. Um, and over time, like this would take a while, but uh, you can terraform the planet and make it Earth-like, um, mostly by just by warming it up. So, yeah. So, you know, as you, as you talk about this, I mean, honestly, what comes to mind is sort of the idea that a Martian civilization, you know, although obviously important to Earth, it will quickly evolve to be quite a bit tougher. Um, by necessity, and, and just the mental images leaping in my mind is the, the Spartans uh, in ancient Greece. Um, it, like, do you think that do you think do you think the sort of vector of civilization will unfold differently as a consequence of, of, of how difficult it's going to be to get it going? Yeah, probably will. I think so. so but then maybe we don't, we don't just have a backup, right? Maybe we actually have an alternative, like a, a, and, a, and, and the ability to actually see two different, two like fundamentally different civilizations for it. Yeah, absolutely. The, 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 the fact that it's, you can only go to Mars every two years and that it's a six month, six month journey, although I think we can over time get that potentially as low as one month. But still, it, 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 you can't go to Mars when uh, Earth is on the, on the other side of the. The, the sun from Mars, like the you know times where you know Mars is literally on the side of the sun, you can't get the middle what you do. Um, so that 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 time gap would mean that you know that there'd be essentially a new uh, group of people uh, arriving roughly every two years. Um, I don't know. I think it'd be interesting. People would probably trace their like, yeah, I came on you know uh, this this you know. This particular sun, uh, you know, Earth Mars synchronization event. Um, I don't know, it, it, but like, like I said, the important thing is is like that we have established Mars as a self-sustaining uh, civilization, um, mm-hmm. and, 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 and that we have done whatever we can to ensure the long-term continuance of of consciousness as we know it. Um, because the, the, so, as far as we can tell, we're the only. Um, the, the, the light of consciousness, which is a delicate little candle in the dark, it's only here on Earth. I mean, it might be other places, other places and it's arguable that it's likely to be other places. But honestly, we have seen no sign of it, and, and I'm pretty sure that I would have known about it. And I am—I have seen nothing to indicate uh, that there's any 
Healing Association whatsoever. I would, I, I'd be the first to jump on that in a second, but uh, I, see, I see no such evidence. Uh, Elon, that's actually, you know, that's actually something we wanted to ask you about because in the last year, there's been multiple reported UFO sightings. There was the mysterious object that flew past our solar system. Um, I think you just described that you haven't seen any evidence of aliens, but A, do you think we'll ever run into them? And B, if we if we do, have you heard of dark forest theory from three broadly problem? How do you think we should think about aliens? Um, yeah, I'm, I'm trying to be strict in the scientific sense of the word. I'm saying I've seen no, no, not a single piece of conclusive evidence. So... That doesn't mean there aren't aliens. I'm just literally saying I've seen nothing that could not be explained by other means um, and where the probable explanation by other means is much more likely than it's alien technology. So and, and for people who say like there are sightings of aliens, I'm like, listen, man, um, the, 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 the resolution of the picture needs to be at least like 7-Eleven ATM good, okay?
still good at them. I mean, um, I remember following you many years ago. Going from that to your sea shanties meme or uh, the, you know, the, any one of the memes, and some of it may, may not be safe for work here. Uh, you know, how did you go through that? What do we have to say for work? Um, 
you know, see like look, look say GPT one versus GPT two versus GPT GPT three, and just how radically that's improved. Um, and, and just like you know, deep minds and I mean, I think they've run out of games to win at basically. Um, and this just and look, I feel like in Tesla, and you know, it's a, a, a important thing I've noticed should make is like Tesla actually has I think one of the, the strongest AI teams in the world, but it's AI team focused on real world usability. Um, so just really solving uh, vision, perception, and control with the uh, AI. Um, but but even in a benign scenario for AI, where let's say like the, the AI is like just really wants to be super nice to us and make us happy, how, how do we stay relevant and still ha and have meaning and at least go along for the ride? Um, that's in a good scenario. And, and then in terms of avoiding the bad scenario, to the, to the degree we can couple. Uh, collective human will to the outcome of artificial intelligence and, and what's developed in that way, I think that'll probably be a better scenario than if we're unable to effectively couple collective human will to that outcome. So, um, so the, the, the final, the, now, sorry, this is getting kind of esoteric, but oh, we love it, we love it, keep going. <laughs> okay, so uh, people are already a cyborg, and then and that you already have a tertiary digital layer. Uh, you know, you've got your sort of limbic system, which is your primitive drives and uh, desires and responses, uh, and then you've got your cortex, which is like long-term planning and thinking. Um, those are two biological layers, and then there's a tertiary layer, a third layer, which is um, digital, and you already have that in the form of your phones and computers and all your applications. Um, you're far more powerful than a human would be without those uh, cognitive enhancements. But the, the bandwidth between your cortex and your digital tertiary layer is very slow. And in fact, with the advent of phones, um, it got even slower. So if you're, if you're thumbing, like you say, what's the bit rate of a, of a thumb, of a pair of thumbs on a, on a phone? It's very low. I mean, let's be super generous and say it's 100 bits per second. Uh, well, computers can communicate at trillions of bits per second. So it's, you know, at a certain point, the computer gets smart enough. It's like the computer's just like trying to talk to a tree, you know. Trees do sort of talk, um, but they talk so slow that we don't notice. Um, so, so we need to improve the bandwidth. Um, and with a direct neural interface, um, we, we can improve the bandwidth uh, between your cortex and your digital tertiary layer by many orders of magnitude. Uh, I'd say probably at least a thousand or maybe 10,000 or more. Um, and we could also spend a lot more time thinking about interesting things as opposed to taking complex thought structures, compressing them down into words, which is which also gain a very low bit rate. Um, and then having someone else receive those words, decompress them, and then and then send words back to you. Um, so a huge amount of our brain power is spent in compression, decompression. Um, and we could be instead spending it on uh, deeper concepts. And so if you had a neural link, if you had a neural link, you could do uh, conceptual telepathy, uh, where you have a complex series a complex series of, of concepts and you can just transfer them directly uncompressed to the other because this would massively improve the quality of communication and the speed of it so um 
and then, I mean, there are other sort of pretty wild things that can be done. Like you, you could um, probably save state uh, in the brain, and so if, so if you were to die, you could your state could be re- uh, returned in either in the form of another human body or a robot body. I mean, this is getting like really, you know, it's weird stuff by stuff here. I think you can decide you want to be a robot or a person or whatever. Um, and, and you wouldn't be exactly the same. So, you, you know, there'd be a little lust and transfer. But you can also say it's also arguably true that when you wake up in the morning, you're not exactly the same as yesterday. Um, or the you of a month ago is not the same as, as the you of today. Um, I mean, a bunch of brain cells have died, and memories, some memories have faded, some have strengthened their new memories. So, anyway, the point is, like, you wouldn't be, uh, you, you could, there could be something analogous to a video game, like a saved game situation, where you are able to uh, re- resume, you know, upload your last state. Yeah, kind of like Ultra Carbon. Um, maybe lose a few memories, but I'll, but mostly be you. Um, so, now, now that's the long-term stuff. In the short term, uh, for your link, uh, the idea would really just be to address uh, brain injuries or spinal injuries, um, and um, you know make up for whatever lost capacity somebody has with uh, with, a chip, with, with an implanted chip. And so the first thing that we're um, going after is a um, a wireless implanted chip that would enable someone who's a quadriplegic. Or Quadriplegic or tetraplegic to control a computer or mouse or, or their phone or really any device uh, just use just by thinking. Um, and this obviously would be a massive enabler, you know, could make life way way easier for them. Um, there have been sort of primitive versions of this device, one done with, with like Great. Great. Uh, wires sticking out of your head, but it, it doesn't work all the time, and, and you can't take it home with you. So just having basically, you think like it, in simplistic terms, I'd say it's, it's sort of like a Fitbit in your skull with tiny wires that go to your brain. A Fitbit in your skull with tiny wires. So if somebody who's listening is uh, is good at um, designing like Fitbits, Apple Watches, phones, computers, various kinds, uh, then actually they, they would be a great fit for um, your link. Um, so yeah, we're. we're I mean, we'll probably be releasing some some new videos showing progress, maybe uh, in a month or so. And because um, we already got like um, a a monkey with 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 a wireless implant in their skull and the, and the tiny wires, uh, who can play video games uh, using his mind. And he's totally totally so it's not, not look like an unhappy monkey, and you can't even see where the neural implant was put in. Except that he's, he's got like a slight like dog mohawk. He's not uncomfortable, and he doesn't look weird. Um, so, um, so, the, so we're, we're, you know, um, oh, and I like when when um, the USDA person came through and inspected our facilities. Our, our monkey facilities. She said it was like the the nicest monkey facilities she's ever seen in her entire career. Just FYI, we, we, wow. we went the extra mile for the monkeys. As long as you didn't make them play cyberpunk, <laughs> <laughs> that, that would be it. Oh, that would be out of trip for monkeys. Um, <laughs> you know, one of the things we're trying to figure out is like 
can we have the monkeys play mind pong with each other? Yeah, that would be super, pretty cool. <laughs> Yeah, I have to say the big demo was really fantastic. That was that was really cool. Uh, thanks. Yeah. Um, well, it's great to see Major Lincoln making good progress and uh, likes to. But it, it, I, I want to be clear: like the early applications will really just be for you know people who've had a serious brain injury. Um, like where, where it's like the the value of the implant is just would be enormous. Um, because obviously the early implants will come with some non-trivial risk. Um, and so it's going to be like, okay, is, is the good far outweigh the bad? And then, you know, that, that, that will be accounted for some of the initial surgeries with full disclosure of like these little risks and everything. And, and one of the things we're, we're, we're really um, paying close attention to is the ability to remove the implant. So it's like, it's not like, you know, if, we're, if somebody doesn't want it or uh, it's, it's not working, we can take it out and then we can reimplant another one. So we've tested implantation, removal, and reimplantation, and it works great. So switching topics, so, um, so I think Elon, as I, turned, uh, I mentioned kids earlier, as it turns out, I have a, I have a very uh, bright and inquisitive five-year-old um, who is crawling all over everything and trying to figure everything out and learning as much as he can, as fast as he can. Like what, you know, with everything that we know now and kind of all the modern tools we have, like what's the best way to think about educating a five-year-old in today's world? Sorry, the, the best way to educate a five-year-old? Yeah, educate a five-year-old and then think about kind of his education over the course of the next, you know, five or 10 years. Like what, what, what kind of program ideally should you think a, a kid should be on? Hmm. Um. Well, my observation is my kids were mostly educated by YouTube and Reddit, um, and and then they, you know, and, and they're I guess classmates, and I mean, they're, I guess they're lessons as well. But judging um, by the amount of time they spent online, <laughs> it seemed like most of their education is actually coming from online. Um, I, mean, I think generally with their education, you want to make it as interesting, um, exciting as possible. The like what are some of the like if you feel like what are all the things like say a, a good video game does to keep keep someone engaged and interested um you know if, if they're if kids can be super engaged video games like this we're to be super engaged in education as well um like one of the things that's i think very fundamental is to explain the why of of things like so we're teaching you this but we need we're going to explain why we're teaching you this and why it is relevant um, I mean, we were able to um, to forget things that are irrelevant or have low low relevance probability. That makes sense. Like otherwise, we remember all sorts of nonsense things that are weren't very important to our future. So unless unless relevance is established clearly, um, then people will have a hard time remember remembering it by its nature because it's it appears to be irrelevant. Um, it might be relevant, but if it's not explained to them, they won't know. Um, and then there's, if you want to have some sort of engaged, if you're trying to say problem solving, some sort of engaging narrative for, for the problem solving, like, um, it's like far better to say, okay, we're teaching how an engine works by taking apart an engine uh, and, and then putting it back together. And then let's find out what, what tools are needed for, uh, to, you know, for, in order to take this engine apart, put it back together. It's like, okay, we need screwdrivers, wrenches, and, Allen keys and we need a winch um, 
and uh, you know, quite a bunch of other things. And, and then you understand the relevance and, um, and it's much more interesting problem. Uh, this is much better than having, say, a course on wrenches or a course on screwdrivers. <laughs> it's like start with a problem and say, what tools I need to solve this problem? That establishes relevance and gives a, a, a compelling narrative threat. Yeah, it seems like you could kind of, if you had sort of elaborate enough projects, you know, you could you could roll a huge number of topics into into, into and ultimately kind of combine it into a single project with you know some really actually you know interesting form of output. You know, like you know, for example, you know, building a you know literally building a vehicle or something like that. Yeah, exactly. Um, it, 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 this is it, you just it, you, if you have a narrative thread of like why is it all established all this and there's a story to it and. Um, and, and, then, and then and you say like well if, you know you can't you can't, you can't turn, turn that boat without the wrench um, and then like let's, let's let's see how can we make this engine better what do we need to do okay well let's calculate um, you know, if it's the gasoline engine you know what, what's the how do you get to a higher RPM or a you know a better compression ratio um, you know I'm using like outdated analogy of engines but um, you can say for an electric motor um, you know what what steps would you take to um, get higher torque, you know, get full higher power out of this electric motor, um, you know, and and, uh, and and then you sort of you can explain. It's, it's obvious why, you know, things like Maxwell's equations become necessary in that situation. Um, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that'd be amazing. Yeah, um, you know, like you would not believe the number of parents and people kids who asked us about tonight. And I think there are two questions that are connected. One is, you know, how do kids, if you're having a kid and you want pizza to become a polymath like you have become, what advice do you have for parents? And the next one is, here you are with, you know, so many companies that you've created, I can't even list them on the top of my head. Why doesn't the world have, and this doesn't mean to sound, you know, psychophantic, but why doesn't the world have more Elon Musk? Well, I don't know. I might be getting too much better here. Um, so, I mean, for me, these things, uh, things I've done have been because I felt a strong compelled to do it. So it's not like nobody was pushing me to do it, but they're just like a felt strong compulsion to do them. Um, I mean, I, I wouldn't say, you know, there are pretty long sections in my life that have been very painful and difficult, and I'm not sure I would, I'm not sure people would want to do that, you know. Um, this, uh, yeah. Um, if, if somebody wants to be me or do the things I've done, they should, I, I would say most probably you're mistaken. You do not want to do that. You'd have to have some kind of like rape demon in your skull that you just got to get it done. There's no, it's like when people ask me, like, um, what encouraging words do you have? for entrepreneurs who want to do a startup. And my response is, if you need encouraging words, don't do a startup. Doing a startup is like eating glasses, staring into your bliss um, you know, for a long time. Yep. Yeah. Um, okay. Um, we're going to switch topics, but I think for everyone in the audience who so just caught up and the man just squeezed in, um, just a quick recent slash recap. This is uh, uh, the one only Elon Musk was first time on Clubhouse, and this is a show that we do every single day. 
Uh, I know a lot of you are trying to get the room, the bunch of overflow rooms, see if we can get in there. Uh, but this is having an amazing conversation, Elon. Um, Elon, uh, okay, uh, this is something you joked about, but I'm kind of curious to get your, you know, maybe serious answer to this, which is all things cryptocurrency and Bitcoin. You famously just changed your Twitter bio to just the Bitcoin logo and the word Bitcoin to speak. What do you think of cryptocurrency? What do you think of Bitcoin? What do you think of other cryptocurrencies? Uh, you know, we to get your take on the entire thing. <laughs> well, um, yeah, I gotta watch what I say here because so these things can really move the, move the market. Um, so, uh, first of all, I should say, like, <laughs> uh, many friends of mine have tried to me to get involved in Bitcoin for a long time, like, from where it was just popped, you know, it, it popped out there. Um, and, you know, I remember my bully, he, he actually had Bitcoin cake, a cake that was like, had a big sort of Bitcoin symbol on it. And he fed me a slice of Bitcoin cake in 2013. So, I mean, clearly I should have at least bought some Bitcoins eight years ago. <laughs> like what, what more do people even do? You know, like Jesus, I'm going to be late. late to the party. Um, um, so I was a little slow on the uptake there. Uh, my apologies. Um, but I, I, and I think about it for a bit, but I, I do at this point think Bitcoin is a good thing. Um, and um, so I am a supporter of Bitcoin. Uh, well, you know, again, like I said, I'm late, late to the party, but I'm a supporter of Bitcoin. Um, and I think it, Bitcoin is really on the verge of getting uh, broad acceptance by sort of the conventional uh, finance um, people, you know. So. Um, yeah, I think so. You know, I, I don't have a strong opinion on other cryptocurrencies. I mean, I could occasionally make uh, jokes about Dogecoin, um, but, but they, are, they are really just meant to be jokes. Um, but Dogecoin was made as a as a made as a joke to make fun of cryptocurrencies, obviously. Um, uh, but but fate loves irony, and, 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 and often. As for myself, the most ironic uh, outcome is most likely, or as I like, like say, the most entertaining outcome is is often most likely, and arguably the most entertaining outcome and the most ironic outcome would be that Dogecoin becomes the, the currency of Earth in the future. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, uh, Elon! When you tweeted me this afternoon, I will say my tweet replies have been overwhelmed. By probably a zillion different like cryptocurrency uh, coins, and but yeah. And by the way, you might remember the infamous time when your reply was filled with cryptocurrency bots on Twitter. Oh my god, it was insane. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, lucky how Elon and I actually want a meeting because that was a very painful, painful time. Um, okay. But yeah. In fact, and, and then I made a joke about Bitcoin, and my account got locked. <laughs>
uh, you know, uh, you just have a refresh of the Model less coming out and saw the review for it. When you just see, you know, the future for Tesla, and especially when it comes to all things uh, battery technology and self-driving, those two topics a lot of people are very interested in. Okay, so should you ask you about the future of batteries and self-driving? Um, more like, I mean, where do you see Tesla over the next few years? Um, well, yeah, I mean, I think that, I mean, our goal, the goal with Tesla is to, and have, you know, has been from the beginning, um, is to accelerate the advent of sustainable energy. Um, so in order to do that, we've got to make a lot of cars. We've got to make them uh, increasingly affordable. Uh, and um, our, our rough target is we want to be able to um, eventually make 20 million cars a year. The reason for that is the 2 billion active cars and trucks on the road and figure you're not really moving the needle unless you're changing 1% of the existing fleet. Um, and uh, so that's sort of roughly how we came up with 20 million cars, you know, cars and trucks per year. Um, that, that's, that's very important to, to expect, you know, accelerate the advent of sustainable energy. And then of course, uh, uh, we've got stage three battery packs and solar, which was, um, make a lot of progress in that front. Um, so, so yeah, we're, we're going to try to grow um, car production as fast as possible. And, and that, the, the, the primary limiting, limiting factor there is battery cell production. Uh, so we're uh, getting as much, you know, as much as possible from suppliers. And then, but, but even that is not enough. So we're actually going to be building uh, battery cells ourselves. Uh, and, but it's important to emphasize that uh, it's your suppliers who are great great suppliers that we're, we're not we're not trying to put them out of business we want them to increase their rate as well um so panasonic um algae SCATL, um and then but just to to add you know to increase the to, to accelerate stable energy first further we're making our own cells um and um you're pretty, pretty excited about that uh, <clears throat> and then anyway so i think you expect you know possibly acceleration of of uh Compounding annual growth, uh, well, at least aspirationally, that's our goal, and uh, and then that combine that with autonomy, um, and it's a very powerful story uh, because if, once you have autonomy of self-driving cars, you, you massively increase the utility of, of any given car. Um, you know, a, a typical car is, is driven about twelve miles, uh, sorry, 12, 12 hours a week. Um, you think like you know maybe <laughs> depending on the situation you're where you look, it's like maybe an hour and a half a day or something like that. Um, or in LA, it might be two hours a day. So roughly 12 hours a week. And there's 168 hours in a week, in a seven-day week. So um, most likely cars that are autonomous um, could, could maybe do a third of the hours in a week or something like that. Um, so maybe they do, I don't know, 60 hours a week of of usage instead of 12. So you've got basically a 5x increase in, in asset utilization there um, and far less need for uh, parking less parking garages and that kind of thing. So, um, and this in itself is good for the environment because you need fewer cars to get the same thing done. Um, and, and we would need fewer parking garages and places just to keep, keep cars um, when they're not in use because they're just being in use a lot more. So, <laughs> um, but the net, the net of the net of like having a lot of cars times uh, automation or t- times self driving, I think is 
at the heart of why um, a lot of investors think Tesla is worth what it is. Um, they're giving us a lot of credit for future execution. But I, I think the trend is there. It's quite positive. And I'd like to once again say, if anyone is interested in in practical AI, um, AI that, that where, the, where the rubber hits the road, um, please Tesla's um, autopilot slash AI team. I think people are quite appreciate that that Tesla has some of the most advanced AI in the world, both on the software side and on the hardware side. And on the, on the software, on, you know, on the hardware side, we've obviously got our uh, inference computer, which I think is still the best inference computer out there, even though it's been going for a couple of years. Um, and uh, and then we're, we're, we're building Dojo, which is will be the most powerful training computer because um, it's going to process vast amounts of uh, video training data. Um, and, um, and, and, and bringing the day of self-driving sooner is translates directly to lives saved, lives saved and uh, injuries avoided. Because uh, about a million people die every year in car accidents, and about ten million per year have serious injuries. Uh, so that's the, the sooner the better, um, and a, a lot of lives will be saved and lives people's lives made better. Uh, 
two eyes, but kind of like really more like one eye, because the, the two eyes kind of combine. Um, but anyway, the neural net is basically, it needs to move to full uh, video training, video inference, uh, surround video training, surround video inference, um, and then it will be superhuman, um, no question about it. Um, like it's just because people don't have eyes in the back of their head. Like they can't. You, better, you basically have effectively human for all intents and purposes has it, it's like having one camera on a slow camel, um, and, and that is often distracted uh, and or, and maybe sort of drunk or you know change the radio or um, they fall asleep or you know there's all sorts of things that go wrong. Um, there's no question that you can be superhuman with just cameras. Um, and I think if one is going to go with uh, sort of active photon generation, I would recommend something in the occlusion penetrating uh, wavelengths, uh, you know, so like radar, you know, it's sort of roughly four millimeter radar or something like that um, would be better if you could really delve into the uh, arena of active photon generation. Wow, okay. Uh, that's amazing. Okay, the, also, I love the, how uh, deep we got That was super, super fun. All right, I'm going to switch topic just a bit. Um, I would say it's safe to say a lot of people are very interested in how you work. Um, and you offer, for example, describe yourself as an engineer. So walk us through, it's Monday morning, you wake up. What is a day, a typical work day in the life of Elon look like? Um, I guess I wake up and, and, and see if there are any emergencies uh, on text or email. Uh, and often there are. Um, <laughs> so, um, I mean, the, the time of what I deal with is not uh, actually fun or, or interesting. It's like chores. So I've tried really hard not to do my chores, but then if I don't do my chores, things go to hell. So, oh man, you have to do your chores. Um, so, you know, yeah, basically. Uh, I'm a bit relieved that. Elon Musk basically has the same schedule as the rest of us. You know, we all do and you do too. And it's kind of, there's something just really relieving just hearing you say that. Yeah. Um, I mean, that's pretty much how it goes these days. Uh, I do enjoy the in-person meeting more than email. In fact, I, haven't, I think I'm getting like uh, a slight like negative, like limbic reaction to email. <laughs> it's killing me. Um, Texts are, are way better to deal with, um, and and then in-person meetings are are much better. Uh, even Zoom meetings or whatever, you know, they're still better than email. Anything's better than email, frankly. <laughs> um, so, so anyway, I'll, I'll have a bunch of meetings. Uh, I'll write email, write texts, um, especially if it's like a, an email to the group, like saying, "Hey, we need to. I think we need to change direction. Do the following things." Um, and let me know if you think otherwise, but otherwise we've got to do these these things and, and get, get our act together in this area or that area. Um, and then, yeah, a bunch of meetings. Um, most of my meetings are engineering and design. Um, but of course, we have to deal with uh, finance and, you know, sales and, and other things. And, um, you know, the, the things that are necessary for a company to function. And, and then, then there's, uh, there's quite a lot of context switching um, and uh, so he sent me the meme of like, fear is not the mind killer, context switching is the mind killer, which I totally agree with. Um, the context switching is a real fear. 
Uh, so just try, try, basically try to do less context switching. So maybe focus on one thing for an hour and then another thing for another hour. Um, it's really hard to context switch between SpaceX and Tesla and all the things that are going on in SpaceX and Tesla. Uh, and then and then Neuralink boring company, uh, which was fortunately pretty low, low bandwidth low. But they don't take a high level CPU load because they're smaller. Uh, and there's personal stuff and and of course uh, memes, you know, don't get Okay. <laughs> and they're like, where's my meme? And we're expecting a meme by now. <laughs> <laughs> you call it a meme dealer for your hit of memes, Eloy. Exactly. <laughs> uh, Elon, you know, earlier last year, I talked to Mark about how he spends his time. And Mark talked about, you know, you know, you know when he was younger, he used to have large blocks of open time on his calendar. And I think a lot of, you know, well-known founders have large blocks of open time, open schedule time. So you are unique because you have multiple companies you're running. You're also much more of an engineer than traditional CEOs. What does your calendar look like? You this, you know, are you allocating 30 minutes back to back? You have open space. Uh, how do you handle it? Uh, I don't have a lot of open space. It's generally back to back meetings and it's insane. Uh, I mean, my, my, my days are like insane torrents, torrents of information. Um, I mean, sometimes people like, if you want to like audit, what I do for a day, it, it, it's insane. Uh, I don't recommend it. <laughs> I, mean, I, I, I mean, yeah, there's a, I was thinking like, man, how long can I keep this up? Because I, I don't want my brain to explode. Um, and, and it's like the meetings that are scheduled are not like uh, nice to have meetings. They're like, this meeting is essential. Like, okay. Um, it's, it's pretty intense. Um, I think like maybe I should like at some point like take a week off or something, you know, clear my mind. Um, or, or, or like, I know there's like a ton of, bunch of people like writing books on Tesla and SpaceX, for example. Like, it, it, it's pretty, pretty hard for them to get it right because, you know, they just weren't there. And maybe I should like write some like book of my experiences that has like, you know, all the foolish mistakes I've done and like, you know, some advice for others that might be helpful. I think so. A book, uh, a documentary, I think, you know, I mean, uh, I remember uh, once hearing about how, do you still sleep on the floor of your factory? I know we used to at one point in time. Um, I did, I, I, had, I only, if there's like a crisis situation. Um, and, you know, I actually, it's like basically when, when the team is being asked to do to, to really work super hard I I, I gotta be right there with them um, and they gotta they gotta see it you know seeing is believing and so if I'm just sleeping in the middle of the factory floor and you know you know sort of going to sleep at four in the morning like you know waking up like four hours later and like they literally see me they walk past me um, it's not like hidden or anything and it's like okay if you know, willing to fucking take that level of pain, then then they'll do it too. I was going to say, when, when you first said you slept in the factory, I figured, you know, there must be like an executive floor or something. You must have like a couch. There must be like a nice setup. And then, um, you know, when I, when, I came over, when I came over to see you that one time, um, you know, it's like you have your, your conference room is literally, literally in the middle of the factory. Um, and like the, the giant, 
Um, I mean, it, when I said, I mean, you could, you could probably figure out how to turn someone into a literal butterfly. <laughs> okay, that's, it's, 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 it's just, your cells are biological computers. They, they execute, just like the, like sort of an old school computer where you feed it like a, you know, you, you feed it a, t- a tape, uh, you know, or a, or a punch card. Um, that's, that's you, you feed the, the, your cells with tiny, tiny biological computers, this punch card, and they will do whatever they, that punch card says. Um, so that, 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 that was probably the big eye opener last year before 2020 of like just the, the understanding the potential of uh, RNA. Um, and then just super randomly, Tesla actually is you know, <laughs> making a fairly advanced uh, RNA sort of microfab or something where for, um, currently for Turabac to grow to make it for other companies as well. Um, uh, I, I don't think I, I, I'm not sure I understand this. Why is Tesla making RNA fab? Uh, it's, it's super random. So, <laughs> like about four, <laughs> a little over four years ago, we acquired a company in Germany, um, primarily for um, they're they're very good at automation. It's called, uh, they're called um, Groman, and they're they're in southern Germany near uh, basically of Groman, and. Um, at that time of the acquisition, they, they said, like, look, we're willing to be acquired, but there's, like, just a couple of projects that we think, even though they're not related to automotive, we'd really like to continue, if you don't mind. Um, that's like, and uh, the two projects were, one is, one is this, like, tiny chip analyzer, like, like the thing with tiny wires for analyzing uh, chips that Intel needs um, for, for making CPUs, and then another one was this uh, biotech thing, uh, for it's basically a, a well, there's, 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 there's three parts to it. There's a DNA multiplier, an RNA multiplier, and something which puts then the lipid shell on the RNA sequence. Um, we're on like version three of it now, and they, they said, can they keep going? So if you keep it under 10% of resources, no problem, you can keep going. And then I don't know, it turned out like it, it turns out it may actually be useful. I just love that you accidentally found yourself with an RNA fab. Um, yeah. I, I, you've been talking a lot about how mRNA obviously has been key to the Moderna vaccines and all the COVID-19 vaccines. Uh, which brings me to COVID. Um, let us say somehow, magically, tomorrow, you were running the vaccine effort, the distribution effort right now. What would you do to get the vaccines up? Yeah, specifically around the development of the logistics side, which we just don't seem to be doing a really good job across the world. So, what would you do differently there? Um, well, I, I don't have good insight into the situation as it stands, but I think um, relaxing the requirements on it, there's like, seems to be, um, there, there are too many requirements of who can get the vaccine. Um, the, the vaccine would really um, is important for anyone with that is elderly or has uh, a compromised immune system um, or is otherwise risk for the virus. Um, and I, I, would, I think really just saying like, you know, first come, first serve, show up, show up uh, here, like use um, CVS and Walgreens, which we should give up the flu vaccine every year and say, okay, just, just show up here. And, uh, you know, especially for the Moderna and BioNTech uh, vaccines which are quite temperature sensitive they, they can only be um sort of defrosted from from the deep deep freeze briefly and then they must be used or they they lose their effectiveness um this is because the 
uh, my understanding is, is the is the RNA is the, because the the RNA sequences they use are not stable. Those, those sequences want to revert uh, to something else um, because they're not stable. They must be frozen at a very low temperature, uh, or they will s- simply re- want to revert to a lower energy state. Um, RNA sequence. That's my understanding. Of it. Um, so, just like instead of worrying about like does, is the exact right person going to get the, the vaccine, like just accept that maybe some people who shouldn't get the vaccine will get it, but we'll still get a whole lot more vaccines out there. And and, um, and and let's not worry about the details here. Let's just get it to as many people as, as possible as quickly as possible. And for sure, we should not worry about the second dose quite yet. Just give everyone the, the first dose. I suspect that, that the the immunity granted by the first dose is very significant. Um, and we've got, you know, the, 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 third dose, the second dose is like, like three or four weeks later. So uh, we'll have we've got plenty of time to think about the second dose. It's just, just worry about the first dose and first come, first served. And, and don't worry about like accidentally give them, giving the damn thing to someone who maybe didn't serve it. That will happen a little bit. Um, so that's my recommendation on that front. Um, we are going to be, there is going to be a, an an avalanche of vaccine coming. Um, I think USA have ordered on the order of maybe have ordered something like that, 900 million doses <laughs> sent by. Um, and and the, the combination of, of, of there's going to be if we were going to have so many, so much uh, COVID vaccine. I guarantee you, it will be thrown away uh, later this year, more than we could possibly ever need or want. Um, and then the Johnson Johnson vaccine just got approved, which is um, that, that's good. That's a, it's more, it's more conventional vaccine, but it's a single shot, room temperature. Um, and then there are more and more vaccines that are going to get approved. Uh, hopefully, the CureVac one will be approved soon. Um, and um, I, I know because I know the Tesla machine that it can make a bazillion doses super fast. <laughs> um, so you know, I think there's, there's, there's definitely. Um, for those who are concerned about the vaccine, you should expect an exponential increase in vaccine availability. And then combined with that, we, we, we are, I think, starting to approach uh, some degree of herd immunity um, with you know, people who contract the virus and, um, and, and, and uh, recovered, so, uh, which is actually better than getting vaccine. Um, the antibody re- reaction is um, better than if you got the vaccine. So, um, yeah, um, could go. I don't know about it, but overall, I think, you know, optimistic message that there will be lots of vaccines, and uh, I would really encourage people to take the vaccine. I am not an anti-vaxxer, <laughs> I want to be clear. <laughs> I'm a pro-vaxxer. <laughs> so, you know, speaking of vaccines, you know, California has, you know, has been sort of bouncing between kind of 40th, 45th and 50th in the country. You know, by states in terms of the, the speed of the rollout, and it, 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 for me, it sort of you know it re-raises this question that's been coming up more and more, which is you, know, you, you and I and a lot of people you know here listening of like you know built our companies you know, primarily in California uh, up until now. Um, what's your view on the future of California uh, from here? Well, I mean, first of all, I should say I love California, and I've, I've been I've, I've lived half my life, more than half my life in California. Just you know, um, like I am. You know, California, you know, like so much of my, I mean, I built my companies here. Uh, you know, I came here as a, as a summer, came to Silicon Valley as a summer intern to work on uh, on energy storage technology for electric vehicles way back in like 92, I think it was, 92 or 93. 
there's a little company called Pinnacle Research in Los Gatos. Um, and then I got to Silicon Valley as soon as I could. Um, and, uh, and then Stanford was going to be working on um, sort of advanced capacitors for use in electric vehicles, the press studies, and ended up putting that on a hold for the internet. And um,
on the treadmill. Otherwise, I wouldn't. I would calculate with you. Yeah, I think you'll find. I mean, I think season four now. I think you'll find it's. It's apparently. I think you'll know more than I will. But the sort of most accurate representation of what you know actual space, actual like interplanetary travel would be like. You know, what's the sort of paper routine? And by the way, the, the politics that flow, right? And so it sort of sets up a three-way battle between, you know, basically Earth and Mars and then the asteroid belt um, and kind of gets right. involved. That would be a good outcome because it means that, you know, humanity's actually made it out there. Um, as long as they don't laugh and don't annihilate each other. Besides the expense, I mean, what do you recommend? Oh, yeah, I think I've got one for you. Oh, I, I just got to bring one up. Um, Devs, spelled D-E-B-S. If, if you have not seen Devs, Devs is definitely the show for you. And I, I will not say anymore, but you, you will you will enjoy it. All right, Devs. Uh, oh, yeah, and Devs is pretty good. It's Mythic Quest. Yes, yes. Uh, amazing. favorite. <laughs> Best show. Yeah, that's a good one. Did, did you see the Raven's Banquet, the most recent one? <laughs> yeah, it's great. So good. <laughs> uh, have you seen Tenet yet, the new Christopher Nolan movie? Yes, it's pretty good. Wow, okay. And did you understand Tenet? Um, well, I think, if you, I, I think if you think too hard about Tenet, it's not going to make maybe uh, complete sense, but I enjoyed the movie. It's funny because that's kind of what Nolan said too in one of the interviews. He said, just don't like go deep into it, just enjoy it for the movie. And four hours like later, I emerged from Reddit being like, I still don't like entirely get it. So I should have just, you know, just skimmed through it and just watched it for the fun of it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, okay, Elon, um, you know, I think, you know, I don't want, you don't want to take up too much of your time. This has been amazing. Um, you pretty much broken clubhouse. There are probably about like over a dozen, maybe more overflow rooms. And um, I see so many Twitter types right now. Uh, you've been so generous. Um, for all your listeners here and on Twitter, you've been asking for people to join Euralink. You've been asking for people to join Tesla. Do you have any final thoughts for everybody who's listening to you right now? Well, do, do you want to hear the real story um, uh, from Vlad, from Robin Hood, about what happened this week with GameStop? Uh, uh, sure, go for it. Okay, you need to like let him somehow click on a button so you can talk. Uh, all right, let me figure this out. <laughs> While we're figuring it out, Yvonne, why don't you talk to us about Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, since you mentioned that right at the beginning. Uh, yeah, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy... Uh, by Douglas Adams is is in fact a book of philosophy disguised as a silly humor book. Um, and if you, if you read it from the standpoint of, wow, this is an interesting book of philosophy, this is quite insightful. Um, you know, as much as he really goes to the point of um, the answer is easy once you probably can, can probably formulate the question. Um, and, uh, yeah, um, I mean, I like the fact that the ship is powered by infinite improbability. Uh, it's called the Heart of Gold. Um, yeah. Yeah. He <laughs> um, makes fun of, of bureaucracy. In fact, Earth essentially gets destroyed by a, 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 a sort of clerical error or... They're basically... Uh, decided that they need to have an interstellar highway and an earth in the way and so they, they, they 
that post the fact that Earth, Earth needs to get destroyed for this interstellar highway. But of course, it's posted on an alien bullet board, bullet board that no one on Earth can access. Um, and um, and so then they're surprised when people on Earth are unhappy about this. <laughs> it's like, was posted on the board? What do you mean? Like, what board? Um, <laughs> um, some of the some things in, in Doug's Town's book, like the babble fish, where you put the fish in your ear, that automatically translates. We kind of have that already. Um, so, yeah, I mean, yeah. the truth is coming back. Um, Elon, okay, uh, Vlad, uh, can you hear us? Vlad, the stock inhaler. <laughs> hey, guys, thanks for, uh, thanks for inviting me up. It's good to hang with all of you. All right, Vlad, was, what really happened? Give us the inside scoop. All right, well, I was actually hoping that uh, you would invite me up for the Fermi Paradox part because um, this has been a very surreal weekend and week for me. Um, one of the really great things is all the people coming to, coming out of the woodwork to offer support for the company, uh, offer, you know, advice. So um, I got introduced today. Um, and actually, I should say I just randomly downloaded Clubhouse a couple of days ago just to see what it was all about. So this is my first time literally using the app. But, um, yeah, I... Uh, I got introduced to uh, your friend Antonio Elon, who had some good advice for me, and then introduced me to you. You had some great advice. And then I figured, you know, I heard about this clubhouse, and uh, this has got to be part of the simulation. So I just uh, thought, why not? So here I am. So I'm, a- I'm, actually, um, I'm actually an adherent to the simulation hypothesis. All right, well, spill the beans, man. What happened last week? Why do you uh, stop people? Why can people buy the GameStop shares? The people demand an answer, and they want to know the details and the truth. Yep, yep. Um, okay, so let me let me start by giving a little bit of background. Um, so I'm the chief executive of Robinhood. Yeah, um, we know. Actually, a, <laughs> just come on. I'll go through this quick. Don't worry. This is this is, uh, this is important. Um, it's actually uh, a couple of companies. So there's a, an introducing broker-dealer uh, called Robinhood Financial, and that basically is the app that you uh, know and love. It processes trades. Uh, you're a customer of, of Robinhood Financial. Then there's a clearing broker-dealer, um, Robinhood Securities, that clears and settles the trades. And then we have Robinhood, um, which is our crypto business. Um, all of which, uh, all of these are kind of different entities that are differently operated. So basically Wednesday of last week, uh, we just had, you know, unprecedented volume, unprecedented load on the system. Uh, a lot of these, you know, so-called meme stocks were, um, you know, going viral on social media and people were, um, people were joining Robinhood and there was a lot of, net buy activity on them um, as you guys all know and Robinhood at this time I think was number one on the iOS app store um, and uh, pretty close if not number one on, on Google Play as well so just unprecedented activity um, and so Thursday morning right um, so I'm, I'm sleeping uh, but at 3.30 a.m. Pacific um our operations team receives a file from 
the NSCC, which is the National Securities Clearing Corporation. So basically as a broker, as a clearing broker, um, and this is where Robinhood Securities comes in, we have to put up money to the NSCC uh, based on some factors, including um, things like the volatility of the uh, of the trading activity, concentration into certain securities. Um, and this is this is the equities business, so it's based on stock trading and uh, uh, not options trading or, or anything else. Um, so they give us a file with a deposit, and the the request was around three billion dollars, um, which is you know about an order of magnitude more than what it typically is, right? So, um, no, no, why, why is this so high? Like, this seems like, like, it, it sounds like this is an unprecedented increase in uh, demand for capital. Um, what formula did they use to calculate that? Well, um, yeah, and just to give context, you know, Robin Hood up until that point has raised, uh, you know, a little bit, around $2 billion in total uh, venture capital up until now so it's a big number like three billion dollars is um is a large number right so um basically the and you know i the details are we don't have the full details it's a little bit of an opaque formula but there's a component called the var of it which is value at risk and uh, that's based on kind of some fairly quantitative things, although it's not it's not fully transparent. So uh, there are ways to reverse engineer it, but uh, it's not kind of publicly shared. Um, and then there's a special component, which is discretionary. Um, so that's that kind of acts as a multiplier. And um, basically, discretionary discretionary meaning like it's just their opinion. Yeah, there uh, it's it's a little bit. I mean, I'm sure there's there's definitely more more than just their opinion, but um, basically, well, I mean, I, I guess like based on growth, everyone wants to know. Everyone wants to know. It's like, did something maybe shady go down here? Like, like it, it's like seems weird that you'd get a sudden ten billion dollar demand. You know, three, three billion, three billion. billion. Sorry, how much? Yeah, it was three billion U.S. dollars. Three billion. Okay, there's three billion yeah. around. You know, just suddenly out of nowhere, um, and. What I, wouldn't, I wouldn't impute. I wouldn't impute shadiness to it or anything like okay. that. And actually, you know, the NSCC was reasonable subsequent to this, and you know, they've been, they've been, uh, they worked with us to yeah, uh, actually still, still it. So um, it was unprecedented activity. You know, we don't. I don't have the full context about um, you know what was what was going on in what's going on in the in the NSCC to make these calculations. But, um, yeah, essentially... Is anyone anyway, holding you hostage right now? Uh, no, no, I'm okay. <laughs> yeah, um, thanks for asking. But anyway, so this was, uh, this was obviously nerve-wracking, and I actually was asleep at this point, you know. The operations team was, uh, was fielding this at, at 3 o'clock, and then, um, you know, we got back, we put our heads together, um, you know, our chief operating officer basically said, look, let's call up the higher ups at the NSCC and kind of figure out what's going on. Maybe there's some way we can work with them. And, um, 
basically there was another call and they lowered it to something like 1.4 billion dollars um, from three okay. so okay we were making some progress right and then <laughs> but it's still a high number and then um, we basically proposed well let's let's explain how we plan to um, let's explain how you know we'll manage risk in these symbols throughout the day uh, we proposed um, marking these volatile stocks that were kind of driving driving the activity position closing only and then um, at about uh, an hour before market close market open so 5 30 or 5 in the morning they came back and they said okay uh, the charge is or the deposit 700 million which we then deposited and paid promptly and then um, everything was fine um, so that that essentially explains why we had to um, we had to mark these symbols position closing only and also why you know Hold on, guys. I'm going to get it right back. that had positions could sell their open positions because obviously restricting someone we got a lot of questions about okay you had to restrict buying why didn't you also restrict selling right and the fact uh -huh. of the matter is yeah. people get really pissed off if they're holding stock and they want to sell it and they can't right so true i think that's that's categorically worse so um and lots of other brokers i think were in the same situation Robinhood was in the news, but you, you sort of heard this industry-wide, right? Other brokers uh, basically restricted the same exact activity. All right, so, so it sounds like this this, this organization you know, calls you up and they basically have a gun to your head, either either hand over this money or or else. Um, and so, because I mean, like basically what people are wondering is like, did, did you sell your clients down the river or did you have no choice? Right. If you had no choice, that's understandable. Yeah, but then you know we got to find out why you had no choice, right. and who are these people that are saying you have no choice? Yep. Yeah, um, I think that's fair. You know, we have to comply with these requirements. Financial institutions have requirements. Um, you know, the 
around that. Uh, you know, but to be fair, we were able to open and serve our customers, and um, you know, 24, 24 hours later. Hey, everyone, meet Kevin uh, here. Wow, we are streaming in front of you. think, you know, at, you know, again, I'm not saying. When we did open, um, well, when we do open tomorrow morning, uh, we'll be able to kind of relax the stringent position limits that we put on these securities on Friday. Will they break any limits? Well, I think there's always going to be some theoretical limit. We don't have infinite capital, right? And on Friday there were limits, um, so there's always there's always going to have to be some limit. I think the question is, you know, will the limits be high enough to the point where, you know, some they, they won't impact, you know, 99.9 plus percent of customers. Um, so, you know, someone were to deposit hundred billion dollars and, and decide to trade in one stock like that, that wouldn't be possible, you know.
Extremely shady, and he owes me money. That man is breathing so hard. He he so, couldn't even so speak shady. correctly. Carrying the company line. Talking all that bullshit. He shouldn't even got on. He should just be quiet because that was even worse. And yeah, he's extremely shady, dude. Like the stock, you can't even purchase the stocks right now. It's still limited right now. You shouldn't be doing that right now. You're manipulating the market. You're a criminal. <laughs> I'm over it. I'm going to bed. That was crazy. It kept, it kept kicking me out the whole night. It kicked me out of here. It kicked me. I mean, I'm over it. You got to have that strong signal, sis. And it's almost 2.40, bro. Listen, it's 11.36 here in LA. I got to listen to Elon Musk. I got to listen to a lot of good stuff that I, that I know in the future is going to happen. So now I got to go to my data law, I gotta go to my database, my research base, I gotta create all these little bubbles on everything he said. He said some key words in that conversation. I don't know if you guys were listening. He said Well then why don't you host the key rap recap room for nah, us? Nah, everybody's tomorrow. gonna do that. Everybody's gonna do that. I'm not gonna Well, can we have we dropped a personal one private <laughs> Yeah, we should recap tonight, I believe. Yeah, he said some crazy shit, man, and like all of us, I like the all us all of us can be billionaires, literally, or at least multi-millionaires. All you gotta do is get in the cryptocurrency space right now. It's still early. It ain't even just crypto. It was it, he was basically saying the whole world is gonna change, like technology-wise, like everything's gonna be dependent on certain things that you can invest in right now for small companies that are on the market right now that have a low market cap and have low. Uh, investments basically in their company and he was saying they got them companies and people 
well, they couldn't react, but I know people were just listening. I think people were listening too hard and not really like taking notes. I know some people recorded, but even if you listen to it again, you won't be able to understand what he was saying. But I heard everything he fucking said. <laughs> And he also well, was beating around. Right, that was good. Wait, that was good. So now you can break it down for us. Marcus, right. we didn't have the same sound quality. Break it down, please. Break it down. Y'all want me to break it down right now? Y'all don't have my brain hurting. No. Well, Jen, tell some of it. Tell your top three. What's your top three? Okay. All right. So, it, all right. Damn. Okay. So this is what you want to do. All right. So. Um, he spoke, uh, I'm gonna just give y'all topics and then we'll have another room and then I can break it down as far as like companies is concerned. You have to let me go and do my data research first, right? Okay. Because, um, I don't know if you guys are in my other room. I have another room fronted right now that somebody in We Drive Generation should be in. I don't know who's over there. Maybe L, somebody's over there. I'm over there. Okay. All right, cool. But, um, so he spoke on, uh, neuroscience okay he spoke on he spoke on cardono okay he spoke on bitcoin he spoke on uh he spoke on spacex he spoke a lot on space spacex but it was like it wasn't for sure you know what I'm saying at the same time like it could have been it could be an iffy type situation so i think more more of tesla's you should be have more of your portfolio on tesla instead of spacex even though spacex is about to come out with the ipo but i think spacex is going to move slower than tesla he said that they were going to have 20 million cars a year trying to produce so if you're not in tesla now you definitely need to get into tesla i spoke on four other things i think tesla was the fourth one maybe fifth one um, he also spoke on healthcare. He spoke on artificial intelligence and robotics, um, neuroscience as well. Hold on, real quick. Hold on, y'all. I'll be real quick. I'll be right back. He didn't speak on his sleep. I'm about to get though. It's about to be great. No, you're tired. All right, cool. No, man, we don't get tired. What are you talking about? Did you understand? Do you understand what just happened for us right now, even as just a people? Do you understand what this man just told all of y'all? Did I not listen to what he just said? This is a monumental moment that you should share with your kids and your grandchildren. (laughs) Did y'all not hear what he said, though? Was y'all not listening? Should we go in the back room? No, you don't need to go in the background. I'm just saying, this man just gave y'all like a perfla of like information in like three hours. He literally it's gave y'all everything that y'all needed to be successful, regardless, without Clubhouse. He literally gave you a Without listening to anybody in Clubhouse, without getting a job, without anything. All you need to do is work the job that you work and take the money that you, that you have. You should like, you take the money that you have and put it into stocks and invest in companies before they actually take off. And there's a bunch of companies like the one you was talking about. But I need to do my data and research first and find them, and then I can bring it back to y'all. But like I said, our bar is Right, Starlink. We talked about Starlink, which is their company that's going to have all the satellites in the sky that's going to create worldwide uh, Wi-Fi. Right, 
So he's going to put satellites in the sky. Remember, India and Africa and all the other worlds like China, Russia, right? They have their own government and their governments control everything they do. But once Elon Musk puts satellites in the sky, right? Satellites are rotating and orbiting around the sky. Anybody can get on the internet, right? So you have companies like Apple. Apple basically control everything. You can see like Tim Cook just did with Parler. He took the uh, social media app off the platform, right? So when, when the world, when the worldwide web really becomes worldwide, like when surpass 5G, then everybody will be able to get on the internet from their phone. But it won't be an iPhone. So whoever comes out with the next phone, I don't know who's even working on that, but whoever comes out with the next phone is going to kill iPhone because your next phone has to be decentralized. It can't be centralized like how uh, Tim Cook and Apple's Apple Store is controlling everything. So it needs to be a phone that can get on the worldwide worldwide web, and it needs to be a phone that can basically have like a cash app system, like how Apple Pay has and Cash App and PayPal, but it's worldwide. So for right now, cryptocurrency is going to take that spot. If people build on that, which is the blockchain, which is Internet 2.0, then someone can build a phone that's strictly based on strictly based on the blockchain, and then people around the world can get on the internet and send money to whoever they want to send money to, and use any cryptocurrency or token that they want, and then people can start building on the blockchain. Like you can get Tesla on the blockchain, get Coca-Cola, Eminem, all those companies, and they don't have to be responsible for the stocks. Like so, what just happened right now with GameStop? They, that company or anybody like Robinhood are not responsible for what happens for a volatile price. So, like the little things that he's like, shit is crazy. The little things that he's talking about is all gonna add up. So he's basically all his companies are basically like what Apple did, how they cornered the market. They first came out with like you know computers and stuff like that, the iPad. I mean iPad, fucking um, iPod. Right? They start coming out with little gadgets at a time. And then they started to more, the more gadgets they had out, the more they can control the market. And once they started to control the market, then they started controlling everything, what everybody else can do. That's what Elon Musk is doing right now, literally, cornering the market. And you won't be able to do anything about it. You can't stop him. Like, even if you killed him, you couldn't stop him. So every everybody needs to focus on that and not so much stuff like on the petty stuff like like what he basically told me today is like it don't matter what you got going on right now everything that you think is cool everything that you that you think is something you trying to get the 10k every month and you know trying to chase a million dollars that ain't shit compared to what's about to happen literally and the world is populating like crazy so we're almost at 8 billion people people and the more people that there is in the world, the smarter the kids are, the faster technology is, everything's gonna become digitalized. And once everything becomes digitalized, that frees up the market just a little bit, just a little bit. Because when technology is evolved and more people are creating on technology, it frees up space for more people to be able to do things on the internet. And then for people to be able to get paid on the internet as well. So everybody will be getting paid from doing something, interacting with something on the internet. Just like little small things. Did you hear what he said about uh, taking the, like the neuroscience and taking your brain and your and your information and storing it like a game? Did you hear that? 
Yes, he was talking about putting the little wires like a Fitbit. Yeah, but when you're listening to him, are you listening to him talk? Or are you listening to what he's saying when he talk? I was listening to him talk. I'm trying. No, I'm, I'm asking you. Asking. I'm asking you. I'm just asking you. I'm trying. I'm trying. But I appreciate your recap. And yeah, so so what he's so what he's basically saying is what he's saying they're already doing it, but he you know he can say that but he ain't really saying it but they're already doing it, they're they're already it's already been done it's already now what he has to do is get it perfect to where it works he's already doing it on people on things whatever the case may be he already even said it. But the thing he has to do when it comes out is it has to be perfected. Now, there might be some probable causes. There might be some problems. But at the same time, if he gets shit, 70% of that shit right, it's over. Yeah, because he said he already did the implementation phase, the removal phase, and the re-implementation phase. So he's already doing it, y'all. And we, like, people are sitting here, like, you know, just like every day, la, 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 like, on Clubhouse, you know, trying trying to figure it out. Like, if you ever looked at the stock market in general, all you need is $10,000. Probably, you know, less than that. Over a 10-year span, 15-year span. But guess what? This decade right here is going to be the fastest moving decade ever because this transition is happening now. Like I spoke on earlier, like 2035, they're, they're going to be selling nothing but electronic cars. That's all they're going to be selling. So that's going to help push his 20 million a car year um, goal that he's trying to hit. So uh, California does it if every if 30 more states follow their lead, right, and start doing uh, emissions and stuff like that, he could definitely hit that 20 million mark. If you're investing in Tesla right now or investing in anything that he got going on, you gonna you gonna be good like you're definitely gonna be good if you start learning about the blockchain and build it on a blockchain you're definitely gonna be good a lot of people say hey i don't know about that or i don't know how to do that well you need to start learning just like how you learned in school just like how you learn how to do your job you need to get off what you're doing right now you know what i'm saying get off of what you're doing right now and i'm not saying stop what you're doing i'm just saying Rechannel your focus to what's coming in the future. Stop focusing on what the hell's going on now because literally the world just paused for a whole entire year. For a year for y'all. And a lot of y'all didn't do nothing and a lot of y'all just been hustling and a lot of y'all probably created a little business or some shit. But like, while while everybody was paused, it was a lot of things going on and shifting and big changes happening. And you can see it with the stock market and people on cryptocurrency like stuff is happening around